welcome to Fancy Black Lady. I'm your host, Jamila Carrington-Smith. And I'm your host, Landria Seals-Green. Before we get started, I know that people listen on all kinds of podcast apps, and the one that is actually really important to us is Apple Podcasts. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, but if you're on Apple, be sure to leave us a five-star rating, and we'd love to see a review from you. Tell us what you like about the show. Thanks. Today, we're going to talk about those times when we choose to stay silent and those times when we use all the words and the fallout that happens. And then we turn a corner and talk about our rhythms, our family rhythms that have been established as we all continue to shelter in place or try to do our best. Well, look, after a lifetime of restraint, I feel like I owe it to myself to say the thing. And, you know, I try not to let things go unsaid. I try not to because I feel like it shouldn't be my burden. So on the one hand, if there are lovely things about people, if I'm thinking an amazing thought about them, I do try to say it. But on the other hand, if something is just wrong or bad or stupid, and mostly I ignore stupid, but if, 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 if there are just certain things where I have to, I have to say something. It's, because it's shared leadership. Shared leadership. It's shared leadership. It shared leadership. I call it shared leadership. Why should I carry the burden of your stupidity in this moment? Absolutely. I am going to share it with you and I'm going to let you know in a nice way that works for me. Well, not in a nice way, in a way that clears it up for me so that when I walk away from this conversation, I told you, I let you know, but I cannot say that I did that today. I didn't. What did you do today, Landria? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot say what I did today fully. Oh, okay. What I <laughs> I cannot <laughs> I cannot say what I didn't do today was say everything that I had been thinking or that I have shared with you. Well, about, of course. Yeah, because you're I a grown up. This is not about saying everything that's on your mind. I mean, we still have control in this situation. Absolutely. You have control. And I could have controlled myself saying all the words, but I felt at a certain point, what is it for? Because Mm. the person who is taking this in on the other side is taking it in to report. She, this other person is taking it in not to digest it and grow from this moment or experience All she wanted to do was get it over with. And then the other piece is, does this person have the capability to understand this experience and gather the pearls of wisdom that may drip from my brain and out of my mouth? And do they even care? It's close to swine. Right, right. So why waste my time? Mm-hmm. Let's just wrap this up as fast as we can, and then I will move on with the rest of my day. She ain't gonna That's, grow. So she gonna grow. why? Yep. Why give her the energy? Yes. She is not gonna grow. So why give her the energy? And so I thought I'm recording today with Jamila. So why not just say that? So the last time I had a moment like that. I think the person didn't see it coming because uh, they were coming at me. 
Oh, man, I forget which comedian it was. There's this comedian who uh, jokes about starter Negroes. Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, I might be their starter Negro. You know, the (laughs) one you think is safe, the one you can just say things that are crazy to and you think it'll be fine. You know, she's like me. So, um, yeah, this person came to me and said, and this was uh, shortly after Ahmad and a lot of protests in the street said, well, I came to this country some time ago, you know, 10 years ago, and I was in the military and I can see, you know, there are things like this happening all around the world and there are so many similarities and I'm a military guy and I can tell you that the problem is not the police. And then he went into, and I was so good. I was so good because I listened. I did not jump in. I listened and I let him say all that he wanted to say. Now, to some extent, you could say that I was letting him just let out some rope. But um, I came back and told him that we are a diverse nation. That's one of the things that makes us such an incredible and strong nation, that we are, in fact, a nation of immigrants. And that is, you know, part of the strength of that diversity. However, the flip side of that very same strength is that for so many people who come to this country, American history begins with when their when their people first got here. And then I took him all the way back to the black codes and well before the black codes with slave patrols and black codes and wave after wave of immigrants to this country who came into working class jobs like police officers and how that set up, you know, relationships with black people in this country that endure to this day. I took him through, boy, my own experience, you know, it's colorful experience of things that have happened to me. Because again, he's talking to me. He thinks when he talks about things that are happening to black people, that he can come to me and say, it's not a problem. Because in his mind, he's talking about other people. He's not talking about me. Yes. I just gave him, you know, here are the highlights. Here's the highlight reel. He was really, really affected. And it's funny because when I talk to people about this, white people, the one thing that they are really affected by is when I tell them about baking holiday cookies for my neighbors. And you know the story, but the story is that every Christmas I bake, I bake and bake lots and lots of cookies, many dozens of cookies, and they are beautifully decorated and they are, they are expensive. They are gorgeous. They're gorgeous. And I deliver them, hand deliver them to my neighbors you know, with the family, we go, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Christmas is your thing, if not, but we have a very diverse neighborhood. And so what I told him is, I do that not because I don't love baking, I do, not because I don't like my neighbors, because I really do, but because I'm merchandising my children. And as these children grow, as these two boys grow, and they grow out of cuteness and into something that you might perceive as scary, that if these children have a moment of need, and they come knocking at your door, I need you to not shoot first. I need you to see the people who delivered you gifts every year at Christmas. So when I tell that story, of all the crazy things I have to tell, and I do have some direct and ugly experiences with overt racism, which is usually the kind that, that people yeah. recognize. But when I tell them that story, for whatever reason, they really connect with that. Like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. It's like, yeah, man. Yeah, that's my life. So anyway, I ended that conversation with, oh, right, because he was saying, can't we all just have a reasonable conversation and can't we just slow things down? I told him by saying, you know, my one charge on this earth is over the two lives that are in the other room playing video games right now and I have no time. So 
F your reasonable conversation. That was interesting. I love you. I love you. I really do. And I'm so glad you shared the story because I, one, was thinking about that story the other day and I said, I need to bake cookies this year. That was the one <laughs> thing I said. To yeah. And the second thing is it's so relatable because it's cookies, it's chocolate chip cookies, it's the season and the reason behind it, it's context. So what's the reason, what's your why? And the fact is, is that your why is very different from someone else's why. So different. And it's rooted in what's happening now and your best effort to avoid that being you and your family directly and our families directly. It's amazing how people just don't think about, they don't have to think about things mm -hmm. like that. So when I was, you know, had this pseudo position and it turns out my, you know, we all know I was the only person of color on part of that organization in, in that way in terms of uh, leadership or pseudo leadership, let's call it pseudo leadership. And then to hear someone say to me, well, you're the first person. And I said to them, don't F this up. And I thought to myself, one, who says that? And two, to myself, what have I done to make you so comfortable to say such a juvenile thing to me? Hmm. And because of that, I need to inch away myself from this conversation because what I will deliver to you is a real punch. Like my words will come out and they will swing and they will assault and you will be hurt, you will be injured and you will remember this moment. And because I know that that is not what I want your takeaway to be, I have to restrain myself and inch away because who says that? But you told me about that episode and I don't think you inched away at all. I think you made them look at it and I think you showed them how ridiculous they were being. You showed them um, how juvenile they were being and you exposed them. You exposed them for just being... Oh boy, what is the word? See, I don't think they feel exposed. I, don't I think, think they, they felt very exposed. They were taking the conversation one way and you just completely, you didn't let them do that. It's, it's true. true. It's true. But I feel like I left so many words on the table. Like, no, no, not on the table. I left so many words in my head. But again, it's that, why do I have to say everything? And then it's yes. like, I had that one shot. I had that one shot and, and I'm using my one shot to advocate for myself, educate you, turn thinking around. And I'm just like, the hell I'm done. And while we all know I could use a very different words to just to insert, I just, I just don't feel like I want to exercise myself in an elementary type of conversation because I'm an adult. I hear you. I hear you. Now that said, I thought I had a very adult conversation too, 
But make no mistake, make no mistake. At the end of that conversation, I was yelling and I did not say F. I said the word, which I won't say for this podcast, but it was just like just making very clear where the line is. And I think what you did was entirely appropriate for that situation and that group of people. Because what I know, what I know is if you had gone there, if you had gone as far as I had gone, right, then you would have had a situation of tears. And then the whole situation would have been about, you know, these people's tears and how you made them cry, how you scared them, how you scared them with your words. Yes, yes. I think what happens is that, you know, we we have experienced this and then called one another to what decompress and mm-hmm. um, have someone talk, listen, listen and just listen. But what happens after these instances of high energy topics is that you go back to your place of rest. You go back to people you identify as home and you rant and you carry that anger with you for a minute and that minute can be long but it ends up being a shared burden too because those of us who care those of us who know what it is to be in these moments and not able to just lay it on the table it calls up all those past events for us too and we hurt with you and for you and so it's it's a shared burden and the burden's in the wrong place And so when I think about these things, because you called it shared leadership, and I think, you know, that there are contexts where you have to leave it there. But the incident I told you about was one where I feel like we are both running a race. And as we run this race, you don't get to drop this burden on me. I'm going to drop it back on you. And I have to put the whole thing back on him so I can run this race. You hold this, you know, I don't need this mess. Come at me crazy trying to, you know, weigh me down while I run this race. Shoot, you hold it. (laughs) Because what people don't understand is that we still winning. We are going to win this race. We are going to win the race. But for some people, you look at them and you just like, she ain't going to grow. She ain't going to grow. No. Why even waste my time? Because you're not even going to grow. And it's like, even when you look at, you know, young professionals, right? And you want to tell them something and you can see the whole posture of them and you can see how they respond or don't respond. And you just say to yourself, she ain't going to grow. I'm going to just let her sit right there and make all the mistakes. I mean, professionally, I just saw something last night and I thought to myself, You're not going to grow. You don't want to grow. And then I thought to myself, I told you what to do. And if I tell you what to do, if I spend my time telling you what to do, and it's not, I don't send you an invoice. You better do what I said. You better do exactly what I said, but she didn't. They did it. And it looks so it. I'm like, you ain't growing. You don't want to grow yet. But it's so hard because I just feel like when I give people that kind of advice and I don't go around giving people advice, you get free advice. Most of the time it's worth every penny you paid for it, which is none. But (laughs) if I decide to give someone the benefit of what I know, basically what I'm saying is, baby, I have made this mistake before. So you don't have to make it. Don't make my mistake. I did that. It only turns out one way. Are we at the age where we say baby? Baby, we are now because this is the way I talk to my children. And I feel like if I'm giving this wisdom to some young professional, she's in the same place as my child if she won't listen. That's right. If you don't listen. Oh, yeah. Some people you're like, you're not trying to grow. 
You don't want to grow from this. Okay, let me go to the next one. Let me go on with my life. <laughs> I just can't get into scary movies. I just do not like scary movies at all. I don't all. like them either. <laughs> they scare me, but also, well, maybe they scare me because I know, I know people's actual capacity for violence. And, you know, I live in some fear of it. See, that just made me nervous. People's actual capacity for violence. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I'm good. I don't need scary movies to stimulate me. I'm good with that. No. I just don't like them because I don't like to be scared. I like to be happy. I'm always worried that scary movies are giving somebody an idea. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, that's what Criminal Minds is for. Criminal Minds is giving so many ideas to people who are teetering on the edge. Mm. And I just stopped watching it. It did not work well for me. But today I'm supposed to make chocolate chip cookies, and I have not made any cookies since we ate yours. I have not had, I need to make some. Well, if you want the recipe, I'll give it to you, which is saying something, because I have never, ever given anyone my recipe for chocolate chip cookies. I was not even going to ask you for the recipe for chocolate chip cookies because I felt like when I ate it, it was your recipe. Yeah. Yeah. So, But I don't mind. I don't think I'm going into the cookie business. So <laughs> you're good. No, I'm just going to be very basic and make some basic chocolate chip cookies from scratch. All chocolate chip cookies from scratch are basic. They're no, basic. I really don't. Like, I'm the person that bakes. I have flour everywhere. I look like I have <laughs> made eight dozen cookies. And, you know, I wear my projects, as my husband says it. I wear them. My grandmother taught me how to bake, and she was a serious baker. And mm-hmm. she did not tolerate, nor do I, like making a mess. Everything had to be precisely measured. So yeah, I don't, I, I don't do that whole, you know, every time I see those commercials where people are having fun with their little kids, making a mess in the kitchen, it upsets me. Cause I'm like, who's going to clean that up? Why would you do that to yourself? Don't you know what happens when a protein dries and sticks to a surface? What happens when a protein dries and sticks with, to a surface, Jamila? Have you ever tried to clean up egg that has dried and hardened? It is so hard to clean up. No, I just spray it. And you can't then... just spray. You have to spray it while it's still wet and yes, eggy. Spray it. And who yes. wants that? That's disgusting. And why would you make that mess that you have to clean? Look, I can barely even clean my own house just from living around here. You know, it needs a deep cleaning especially now that everybody's home. So I can't imagine making a mess in the kitchen and getting like sugar and flour and crevices for bugs to, you know, discover and then decide they want to move in. This is what I think when I see those commercials. I feel like I need to apologize to you for the mess <laughs> that I made. I feel like I'm, I'm, I apologize for making a mess, but I am the person <laughs> in the commercial. I am the person. So what happens when we bake cookies is that we start off really well together. I'm happy and I'm like, you pour and you pour. Let's scoop. Uh-huh. It's okay. There's a little powder there. But midway, I get tired. Like tired of being patient 
baking cookies with my children. And I'm like, oh, I'll do it. I'll just give it to me. Oh, this is not right. This is, it's like the middle of an arts and crafts project. And you just got to get through it. The, the beginning, you start off, let's paint this cardboard box. I've taped it up. This is great. It's so beautiful. I'm so happy to do, to do this with my kids. Midway, my personality changes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, just let me do it. Just <laughs> and then by the end, you know, no one's really happy. But then at the we look at what we have created together and then we become joyous, you know, we joy again. There is so much tension. So I think maybe I have passed on a bit of tension, but I think it's healthy tension in this process because number one, there is no process of doing it with the children. Because the way I bake, the most important tool in my kitchen are my prep bowls. So I have all these little prep bowls. Everything gets measured out beforehand. And so there's no being in the middle of the process because either you are at the beginning, either you are getting ready to do the thing where you're measuring everything out carefully, or you are doing the thing, which is essentially just throwing things into the mixer. And that's just all about the process, or you are baking. So for me, it's like, okay, Let's measure everything out. And if you don't have the motor skills to measure it out well, then you can watch me measure it out. Or you can like scoop some chocolate chips, which is, you know, that's nothing. Then if you want to add it to the bowl, well, that's nice. And mommy will let you add it to the bowl, but you better not spill it. (laughs) Because everything is measured. No, no, I just... And then, then, like, my kids stick around just in time for the first batch to come out of the oven. Then they abandon me. So then I'm stuck baking all by myself. So that's when I get tired. No, I just feel like I just learned a lot in this conversation. And (laughs) I will just stick to being the recipient of the cookies that have been baked already. Okay, okay. Well, they're baked with love. I know they're baked with love, love and a healthy dose of tension. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, because I feel like my hand is going to shake in the kitchen now when I pour the flour. You got to be like, did Landria just, did she just spill something? I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so no, no, but I probably make a mess. I know I make a mess. Like when you did your bathroom, right? Yeah. I've done a bathroom. I did the bathroom of my husband's home and I moved in when we first got married because I was like, I, if I'm going to live here for any stretch of a time, I need to paint this stuff. I need to paint tile. I need to do all of this stuff. And I was still feeling, you know, I was a girl who had a drill and tools and all of those things. I was still feeling that part of my personality, right? Mm -hmm. And so I do the whole bathroom. There was paint on me and the tile. See, and you're looking at me like, how did that happen? It happened because I get into it, Jamila. I live in the project. I become one with my project. So if there is flour, I am also, there's flour on me as well. If there's paint, there's a little paint on me as well. I'm trying to figure out like how much of this is about like being demonstrative about how much work you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, are you suggesting that there's a little bit of drama? Absolutely. There's some drama associated with this. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I wouldn't be myself if there were no drama associated with it. I just want everybody to know, look at what I have done. 
So the drama around our stuff is just the production and the tightness of the production. So back before, back before we had children and my husband and I would entertain, we had all kinds of tricks to make things just go on. We used to have these dinner parties, just have them go on and on and on. And one of the tricks was, and my husband loves to talk and he's great at talking. So we'd have this dinner, we'd have music going. You know, I told you about the BPMs to make people forget about the time. You had the fireplace yeah. going and, you know, lively conversation. And then at some point after dinner, I would clear the plates. People are like, let me help you. I'm like, don't help me. I don't need your help. I don't want your help in my kitchen. So I'd clear the plates, right? Right. So my husband's holding court. He knows what's up. I go into the back and this like drunk, I would go <laughs> drunk. I would go and bake cookies, just like whip up a batch of cookies, chocolate chip cookies, and like scoop some French vanilla ice cream into a chilled martini glass. And then as soon as the cookies come out, like put them on top of the ice cream in the martini glass and just come out like, oh, look what I whipped up. And it was perfect because he knew what I was doing. He knew how to hold court long enough to like let all this happen. And it was great. Oh, wow. First of all, I need this in my life. I this need is great. The, I need the warm cookies. You know, I have French vanilla ice cream in my freezer unopened for that cookie moment when they are. So thank you for that. But I, I have to have the special how... chocolate chips, though. You got. OK, I'll stop. I'm listen. My chocolate chips are going to be good enough for this moment. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be uh. just fine. We're going to be just fine. But I love how you all hold court together. Like, it's this dance, right? It's this dance. Now, and it was great because long... the guests never knew that this but was you happening. Know. Oh, yeah. You know. So how long did it take you in your relationship to get this dance? I don't know. See? Good question. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Because that was before kids. Before kids. Uh... BK. BK is before kids. BC is before Corona. It's no more before Christ. It's before Corona. So we always say back when we were single, that's what we mean when we say when we didn't have kids. It's like, oh, yeah. Remember when we were single and we used to? Yeah. Back when we had yeah. no kids. Right. I don't think that we cherished that time as much together as we needed to. I mean, we did. Don't get me wrong. We had fun. We enjoyed each other. Mm -hmm. We went out to dinner during the week. And it was just great. That was the best. It's Wednesday. It's Tuesday night. Let's go out today. I mean, it's not a thing. But now it's like, well, we have to, who, we need to go. Do we have a sitter? Oh, we don't have a sitter. Okay. Who can wash the kids? And so before kids, when did you get that rhythm? When did that happen? I don't think there was a moment, but we just had our respective spaces. You know, when we came together, it worked really well. So you were talking about going out during the week and you brought me back to date night, which was Thursday nights. We stayed away from Fridays and Saturdays because yep. we called them. That's amateur night. That's amateur That's night. That's not for, but my husband worked, he had an unusual schedule where he worked from two in the afternoon until 10 at night. Okay. And I just worked really late sometimes. So I would just stay in the office until 9.45 or 10. This was back when we were all like young professionals. So we had a friend who was another young professional. He was the GM of this restaurant that we liked to go to. So every Thursday we would go and like it was just minutes before the kitchen closed, but they knew that we were showing up every Thursday. So every Thursday we would go and like they'd make dinner for us, even though the kitchen was about to close because they knew this couple was always going to come in. And then our friend would usually like comp us a cocktail. It was so nice. 
so nice. But we had a lot of years of just understanding that we had different rhythms. And so when we finally overlapped, you know, we just kind of fell into a different rhythm. So his wavelength and my wavelength, but then when they came together, they didn't clash. They synced up somehow. I love that. I like it. I don't know when we fell into a rhythm, like that unspoken way you move, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can tell you that we move very well together in a crisis. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to communicate about who will do what, how yep. things, who will take things on. We move very well together in a crisis, but we also move well together when there's not a crisis. But when we first met, he lived here and I lived on the East Coast. So we didn't see each other as frequently as other people saw each other. So I don't know if you know this, but we didn't really see each other every day until a week before we were married. Oh, wow. So we did that for a couple of years. So every time we saw each other, he would come to me and stay maybe a week. I'd come to him, I'd stay a week or we'd meet someplace. Mm-hmm. And so we were always moving and somebody was always moving or traveling, but the meetups someplace were really nice. So I'd come here. I think one of the best trips is we took a train ride up to Montreal, Canada. Like that was good, but we were always moving. And so maybe that's how we got our rhythm because we travel very well together. That's yes. So we travel well yeah. together too. I was an undergrad in college and he was a grad student and um, we met there. We met only, what, six months before we both graduated. And Mm -hmm. so at graduation, we took a trip together, a road trip together. And that's always a big test, but it worked out. Yeah. You know, now that you mention it. So from the earliest days of our relationship, we were actually long distance. That's so funny that you mentioned that. So I was in Chicago and he was in Peoria, Illinois. He would work all week and then every weekend would drive to Chicago. So it's what, like a three hour, three and a half hour drive. Yeah. So he'd drive every single weekend, never missed a weekend. And I remember once I had to travel for work and it somehow was going to interfere with the weekend. Like I had to go to, maybe it was New Jersey or Pennsylvania or somewhere. Anyway, he drove there and met me at the airport with flowers. You're kidding. Yeah. And then by the time I flew home, he was also back in Chicago and met me at the airport at with flowers. This is back, you know, when you can meet people at the airport and not have to just right. wait outside. I remember I had this boss. My first boss was just like, seriously, Jamila, do you guys just fight all the time? Because he gives you flowers. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, we don't. It's just that's our thing. So, wow. um, but we were, and then it was, he was living in, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. It was one of the Carolinas, North or South. Carolina. He was living in Carolina. And I think we saw each other maybe monthly or every couple months, like he Mm -hmm. would fly to Chicago or I would fly there. So then, you know, by the time he moved to Chicago, I think we had just made some decisions about what we wanted to be. I don't know, but we have this long distance thing in common. So I wonder if that has something to do with finding a rhythm. That's so strange because I would not think that's something that helps people. I think it's something that usually hurts. I felt like being in a long distance relationship helped us become great communicators with one another. Mm, Yeah. We talk everything out 
and that was a growth place for him. And then it was a growth place for me to um, be better at how I talked things out. Okay. I felt like being in a long distance relationship really helped us as individuals. I don't know if I've and ever evaluated couple, whether, yeah. you know, the effect it has had on us. I think we were always just looking for the opportunity to live in the same place, but I never thought about yes. how it might've impacted the way we grow. Yeah. No, you just said husband drives and it just got this image in my mind because, you know, I don't go anywhere lately and husband went to the cleaners today. And since I don't go anywhere, I'm like, I want to go with you. So we drove, you know, half a mile to the cleaners. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But as he's making that turn, he's turning with his finger. And I started, I felt that like that it's anger. I felt anger like rising. I looked away. I looked away. Like I look away. Yeah. How was that half mile drive? It was so was, nice. We, was it everything well, you thought it would be? Well, we turned it into a longer drive. Like we got the car washed. What else did we do? We drove around. It was so nice. I mean, because he was like, hey, I was just going to run these things to the cleaners. But since I have a beautiful woman in the car with me, let's get this thing washed. Right. And then we like took the long way to the cleaners. <laughs> this is date night in the time of Corona. We've gotten a chance to slow down as a family, reconnect in a way that we just haven't. I mean, under typical circumstances, would you yourself have taken the time to, you know, lay out on the hammock and look at the clouds? Not a chance. Not a chance. I would have walked past my bed, but not just kind of laid back on it like, ah, this is great. So it's a mixed bag. But if I could pull out some things that have happened in terms of family and being able to be together and appreciate each other and the time you have, it's been pretty beautiful. It's important to remember that, especially those moments when the anxiety creeps up on you. And, you know, I'll say it for myself. I have moments where it creeps up on me. You know, I start to feel frightened, like this whole thing is so big. I just can't get my head around it. So I think just as those moments creep up on me, I need to be fully open to and kind of let these joyful moments creep up on me too, if you will, but also let them affect me as much as the negative things affect me, if not more. You know, make an effort even for them to amplify them so they can affect me even more positively because the anxiety will come. But it's true, there's joy in these moments and these moments are made possible by this larger... Coronavirus brought to you by. Brought to you by the coronavirus. Mm. You know, that was funny at the end. It was. It was. (laughs) (laughs) And we did. Sponsored by the coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) And we did that all by ourselves, not rehearsed or anything. We didn't even know. It just happened. Thank you for listening to Fancy Black Lady. Make sure you visit our store at fancyblacklady.com. Follow us on all social media handles for bonus content. And until next time, stay fancy. Fancy.